For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Believe in Bengal podcast with Solomon Wilcox. And I have a very special guest because Scott Brunson is the co-author of this latest book to come out. In fact, it is the book. It's called From Bulldog to Bengal, the Joe Burrow story seen through the eyes of of his hometown in Athens, Ohio. Uh, and you co-wrote this book with Sam Smathers. He was the first organized football coach for our Joe Burrow. So uh, I want to start by uh, just, first of all, having you tell us, give us an overview of what inspired you to write this book, Scott. Yeah. So uh, first of all, Solomon, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, I really appreciate it. I grew up in Athens. Um, uh, graduated from Athens High School in 1980, so that's my home. I care about Athens uh, quite a bit. Uh, my father was the first Athens City Recreation Director. From he went from 1964 to 1980. Yeah. He also he also coached uh, around the county for for many years. But uh, when he was the uh, City Recreation Director, he organized a lot of youth sports, and one of those was Saturday morning youth football, tackle football, and uh, so that was that was fun. And uh, but it went away for a while because uh, there was concern over head injuries. It eventually came back and the person that kind of spearheaded that effort to bring it back, his name is Sam Smathers. Mm -hmm. And Sam um, uh, is a very charismatic guy. He's a fun guy. He eventually became the, became the commissioner of the whole travel league in Southeast yeah. Ohio, uh, just in time for a little uh, third grader from Fargo, North Dakota to walk up the hill in his shades <laughs> and white t-shirt. His name of course was Joey Burrow. Yeah. And, and so, uh, you know, my, my dad started uh, tackle football in Athens and then went away and then Sam helped helped bring it back. So that was a kind of an interesting part of the story, I thought. And uh, I'm an author. I've written four books. I've been a sports writer. I worked at the University of Florida in their sports information office uh, for several years. Then I managed a national sports publishing company. So I'm a writer and I've got that sports background. Uh, and Sam's uh, not, not only the co-author here, but he's part of the story. Yeah. And so we we make a pretty good team, I think. Well, uh, we should let everyone know that here on the Believe in Bingo podcast, we're going to be uh, taking a few episodes over the next couple of weeks to kind of walk everyone through the book, which is really kind of walking everyone through the life of Cincinnati Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow and his connection uh, to his hometown in Athens, Ohio. Now, you start the book um, with Joe Burrow, as a high school quarterback at Athens, Ohio, Division Three state championship game. It was a game that uh, the team lost, what, 56 to 52. He throws for over um, 400 yards, six touchdown passes. Why did you choose to use that moment to start telling us the story of Joe Burrow and how is that significant? Yeah, I mean, that, uh, that was a, a heartbreak for him, and he still thinks about it. And uh, it really kind of bookends uh, with the Super Bowl 
uh, in that in that opening chapter in that introduction. But it just felt like the right place to start, you know, uh, where he had had a dream to play in the state championship game. And he it's been all these years working to that moment. It came down to the last second. It didn't go their way. And he was heartbroken. He threw one interception in that game. Six yeah. touchdowns, as you said, uh, but one interception. You know, he only threw two interceptions the entire year. And so all wow. he could do was focus on on that inter interception, and he was just crushed. And then you fast forward eight years, and the question comes up uh, because it was the week of the state championship games again. Yeah. And someone asked him in a press conference, you still th think about that game? He said, all the time. Wow. And I think – and the reporters were surprised. I mean, it's a high school game, and here you are. You just beat – Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers by 30 points. And you're, you're worried about what happened, uh, you know, eight years ago, but a championship's a championship to Joe, you know, yeah. and he cares that deeply about it. Um, and of course he was crushed after losing, losing the the Super Bowl, but he had a little bit different attitude. I mean, he went to the after party, the Kid Cudi after party. Yeah, I recall. He was, yeah. He was able to celebrate a magical season, I think with his teammates. And I thought that just showed a lot of growth and maturity over those uh, eight years or so but he's still somebody who's, who's not satisfied with the second place trophy now joe burrow and his family they moved from fargo north dakota to athens ohio right around the time when he was about eight years old mm -hmm. uh, it was right around the time when sam smathers as you mentioned had sort of uh, reignited and and started it up again after youth football had went away there was mm -hmm. some concerns in the town about kids getting hit injuries and things of that nature we've mm -hmm. seen that kind of sweeping the country where a lot of parents were concerned about their kids playing youth football. But Sam Smathers had this vision of bringing youth football back so that it could help to be a feeder for the high school someday. Uh, and then right about the same time that Joe Burrow and his family uh, moved to town. How, how did that prove to be a pivotal moment um, for not just Joe Burrow, but for the town as well? Yeah, well, I mean, it ended up being that that class – that Joe uh, transferred into by the time they got to high school, it was obvious this was the most talented class of athletes ever to go through Athens High School. And we've had some uh, good athletes uh, that have gone on and played professional sports and so forth. But but as a class, uh, including the, the girls, I think there were 21 or 22 who ended up getting college athletic scholarships. So for a small school, that was a pretty big, big deal. Um, but yeah, to be able to play with the same kids, many of the same kids from third grade on, and they played multiple sports together. Um, we'll maybe talk about the Lorman twins, some of his best friends, but yeah. uh, played played uh, basketball with them, played baseball with them, played football with them, developed that sort of chemistry, you know, from the elementary school level all the way up through middle school to high school. By the time they got to high school, they just knew each other so well. It's kind of like, uh, you know, Jamar and, and Joe right now. That's right. Yeah. They just they just know intuitively. They have muscle memory together. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened with that that class. And that became just a remarkable run uh, the three years that he was a starting quarterback for the high school. Now, um, I think people should know that Joe Burrow's father, uh, Jimmy Burrow, was a good athlete. In fact, he was a great athlete, not mm -hmm. just a – a football player. He was a baseball player. He's a basketball player. And you tell the story in the book, and I think so cleverly, to kind of draw a connection, right, when it comes to Joe Burrow and his talent that, and for some reason or another, could be somewhat underrated. I think sometimes we look at quarterbacks and we don't think of them as being athletic if they don't all look like Lamar Jackson or, or mm -hmm. Mike Vick. But um, let's go to the story that you tell in the book when – uh, Jimmy Burrow in high school as a basketball player, he scores 45 points 
in a high school basketball game. And his mother, Joe Burrow's grandmom, had once scored a state record, what, uh, 82 points mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in her high school basketball game. How does that correlate? Help us to understand the connection of Joe Burrow's natural ability, maybe stemming back all the way back to his his grandma, Dot, <laughs> who can knock yeah. down 82 <laughs> points in a high school game. Yeah, so, um, yeah, 82 points in a game. And uh, so she holds that record, state of Mississippi. Yeah. And, uh, and Jimmy, you know, is in high school and he comes home. And you can imagine, Solomon, you're scoring 45 points in a game and just being on top of the world, right? Yeah. I mean, and everyone's <laughs> carrying you around on their shoulders. He comes home and he tells tells mama and, and she says, well, only 37 more to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and just uh, doused his enthusiasm, right? You know, in a playful sort of uh, way. But I think that helps kind of illustrate how competitive the Burrow family is. I mean, his grandfather, uh, Joe's grandfather, James, played basketball at Mississippi State. Um, and, uh, of course, Dot was a great basketball player. And then Jimmy, you know, uh, starts out at Ole Miss, transfers yeah. to Nebraska, plays a little bit for the Packers, and then goes on and stars in the CFL and then has had a great coaching career. But even when it comes to, you know, uh, just playing horse or, or playing ping pong, I mean, that whole family is incredibly competitive. They love each other to death, but but they're very, very competitive. And you, you can see how that instilled in Joe at a very young age that, again, second place isn't good enough. Yeah, I think that's wonderful how you tell that story. And it certainly uh, correlates to paint a picture and illustrate uh, his overall competitiveness. But I also think it draws a line to tell you, uh, he's got some natural ability. He got it honestly, right? He did. Yeah. <laughs> got it honestly. Um, tell us more about um, Athens, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And why is that significant to telling us about who Joe Burrow is? For people around the country, they may not know. If you live in Ohio, you know about Athens, Ohio. Mm-hmm. But if you think more nationally, all right, Scott? Um, it, it's right in that southeastern corner of the state, mm-hmm. uh, right on the border of West Virginia. And uh, I think Joe did a really good job of when he uh, won the Heisman Trophy. He told people a little bit about this place where he's come, where he's from in Athens, Ohio, and the people that are there. And maybe a place that have been forgotten, right, as a manufacturing hub. Um, but tell us more about why this is very central to who Joe Burrow really is. Yeah, Athens is a is a special place, um, but in many, many... For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. ways i mean it's americana you know so a lot of people can relate to it and uh, there were a lot of coal mines there they went away there's a lot of industry that went that went away so there there's a lot of food insecurity the po- the poverty there is significant um yet at the same time you have ohio university in athens yeah. and so at ohio university you have division one sports That's right. um, you've got culture you've got 120 different yeah. international countries represented on that campus and so there really is a, a lot of diversity. And when you would think growing up in Appalachia, oh, it's all monolithic, but that's really not the case in Athens. And so one of the ways in th- that I think this really helped Joe growing up is learning how to relate to different people. 
So relating to country folk, relating to kind of the, the hippie vibe, right? That's mm-hmm. Athens has that. Yeah. If you've ever been to Athens, I mean, it's just wall to wall bars. I mean, the That's OU right. students like to, like to party there. Um, <laughs> but again, all these international countries are represented as well. So I think Joe learned at a young age, you know, you got to relate to different people in different ways. And he's carried that into every locker room he's been in. You know, from 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 Bulldogs at Athens High School to Ohio State to LSU and now with the Bengals, and I think that's helped him quite a bit. I think Athens has helped him quite a bit. Yeah, uh, very uh, interesting story. There is no doubt. Um, as we go through the book and other episodes here on the Believe in Bengal podcast, people are going to learn a little bit more about Athens, Ohio. They're going to learn more about Joe Burrow. But first, I want you to help us understand uh, his very first nickname. Everybody knows him as as Joe Cool. Um, but at eight years old, as he's come walking over the keel um, to play organized football for the very first time, uh, his coach nicks- nicknames him Joe Shady. Yeah. Um, why, why the nickname Joe Shady? Help us to understand the story behind it and how it kind of still holds up to that. Yeah, I mean, you might think Shady is kind of a synonym for shysty, right? That's right. I mean, there's di- right. different different ways of defining <laughs> Shady, but uh, Robin told me his mother told me that uh, he he had he wore sunglasses all the time, yeah. and it was because he was sensitive to the sun. I mean, it was really that simple. Even as an eight year old, Scott. As a, yeah, as an eight year old. So I don't think they were Cartier shades at that <laughs> <That's> time. <right. laughs> probably right. Wal- probably Walmart, something like that. But uh, yeah, Joe was called Shady, and uh, so before Shiesty and uh, Cool and all these other names, yeah, he yeah. had the na- nickname Shady. Yeah. Yeah, Joe Shady, and now it's morphed into Joe Cool, but all of these names are stuck with him. But to think that he earned it honestly, right, as an yeah. eight-year-old wearing his shades, coming over the hill, and his his uh, his uh, his his coach says, "That look at my new quarterback. That's my quarterback." That's right. Uh, yeah. Kind of knew it right away. He always had that. He's always had that kind of charisma, as you have written mm-hmm. early in the book. That he seemed to always draw people to him. Uh, not purposefully, but naturally, people. Um, you said since since an early age, people were always drawn to him. He seemed to always be a deep thinker. Seemed to always have a greater understanding of the moment of the situation, um, mm-hmm. and made for made for the quarterback, maybe in more ways than one in that regard. Um, what more can you add to that? Yeah, I mean. <clears throat> Sam Smathers, again, his first coach, said that if they – now, well, let me back up for a moment. In youth football, of course, you would understand this when you're trying to have a feeder system, you're running the same offense that the varsity is running right. all the all the way down through middle school to elementary school. So there, right. Sam Smathers, I think, had seven different varsity coaches during his time. So he's constantly having to retool and uh, the different schemes and so forth. But at this time, they were running a running offense. They were running the wing tee. And so he needed a smart – a quarterback who could really think, analyze the defense, and Joe was the one. Sam said that if they were running a passing offense, he would have gone with a different guy. Yeah, believe it or not, it <laughs> one of his baseball teammates, right? Yeah, well, Ryan Ryan Lorman, one of his best friends, would have been the quarterback. Ryan Lorman and his twin brother Adam ended up becoming uh, two two of Joe's top receivers in high school, and both of them went on to play at Ohio University. So they were very talented in their own right. But, but Ryan, I talked to Ryan, and Ryan confirms that. He said, I was a better passer than Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so they they still have a little bit of a competitive uh, streak to them, playfully. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and want to want you to talk a little bit about this too, because you talked about it. Joe ran a wing T offense almost all the way through um, his little league experience of playing uh, football. That means he was primarily a runner, not a mm-hmm. passer, which mm-hmm. I think speaks to his athleticism. Uh, you also write in the book that he's played multiple positions, that he was he was more prone to love the defensive side of the ball because his dad was a defensive coach. His brothers, uh, two older brothers that played football, and they played on the defensive side. Kind of help us understand the toughness that we now see in Joe Burrow as a quarterback kind of was shaped in these early years when he was a running quarterback and when he played a lot on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, he played he played all around on the defensive side of the ball. And as you said, that's kind of where his heart was, you know, at first, because that's what dad was all about, right? And dad's a defensive coordinator at, at OU. Uh, Jamie and Dan, you know, are, are both Nebraska uh, defensive players, a linebacker and, a, and a, a defensive back. And so this is what he's immersed in. You know, this is the the sea that he's swimming in when he's young. And that really helps him as a quarterback, too, because he understands alignments on the defensive side of the ball. He understands schemes. He, he You know, we all watch Joe Burrow break the huddle with the Cincinnati Bengals and slowly walk to that line of scrimmage. And you can see it in his eyes, right? I mean, he is yeah. figuring out what that defense is going to do. And uh, he knows what's going to happen before that ball is snapped, right? And this is something that he developed at a very, very young age. But athleticism, uh, going back to that for a moment, he wasn't, as I said, he wasn't just a football player. He was a basketball player. He was a great basketball player. And he was an excellent baseball player growing up, too. And there were people in the community who thought, man, maybe baseball is his best sport. And there were others who said, no, it's basketball. And he went on the AAU circuit. And he definitely could have played at least at the mid-American level, if not higher in basketball. But, I mean, he's very, very athletic. Um, and I think he gets a lot of that, you know, by being a point guard in, in basketball. That's where I want to conclude uh, today's episode of the Believe in Bingo podcast is we're going to walk everyone um, through the book that you co-authored with Sam Smathers, uh, From Bulldog to Bingo. And our next few Believe in Bingo podcasts are going to walk us through uh, this book. And today I just want to finish up by talking more about that because this is a guy that played all three sports, right? Baseball, basketball, and football as a youth. Um, And and he had, of course, you know, the basketball love, the hoop dream dies hard for everyone Mm -hmm. who's played basketball. Well, you got to walk away from it, man. Your, your love of it. And it was said, I think you're written that that's kind of where his real love was, Mm -hmm. but there was a moment where he had to decide, and it's almost like baseball was a sport that he felt he had to give up first. And that was really hard for him. Kind of talk about that as one of the seminal moments um, as you see him being pushed more and more toward becoming the person that he is now, the player, quarterback that he is now, but giving up baseball first as one of the three sports that he loved. It was not easy for him, was it? It wasn't easy, and it wasn't easy for Jimmy uh, either. Uh, especially wasn't e- easy for a guy by the name of Fred Gibson. Now, Fred Gibson was my, this is going all the way back. I, I graduated in 1980. He was my basketball coach at Athens High School. Mm-hmm. He was a baseball coach of mine as well, and he is still there. Now, he's since retired, but uh, Gibby, we call, call him Gibby, but Gibby yeah. was sitting, he would sit in the stands and he, he would watch middle school Joe just rake. I mean, he's just hitting the ball to all fields, and he could see, man, I've got a guy that can start for me as a freshman on the baseball team, shortstop, center field, pitcher, 
I could put him anywhere in the lineup. This guy's going to be really something. Joe comes to Gibby, um, you know, heading into his uh, freshman year and says, Gibby, I hate to do this. I love baseball, but I think I'm going to be a Division One basketball player. And he says, I, I think I'm going to have to hang up my my cleats. And so he he does. Uh, heading into his senior year, he toys with the idea of going back out for baseball. And uh, he ultimately decides not to do that. And his rationale was, you know, if I and this is classic Joe, I think he says, you know, if I if I um, get on the team, I'm going to take somebody else's spot. And I don't want to do that to somebody that's worked hard. And at the same time, I don't want to do it to myself. I might be really rusty and I may disappoint myself. So I, I guess I'm just going to hang up, hang up my cleats. So he broke Gibby's heart twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he, uh, he walked. He walked away from the game, and then as he started to walk back, yeah, right, he pulled. He pulled himself back. That showed, I think, a lot of discipline. Uh, I think that comes through um, in the book as well. The discipline that Joe Burrow had, I think, as a as a very young man. This is a phenomenal read. Um, first of all, before we wrap up the show, I want you to tell everyone where they can go and find uh, the book that you co-authored with Sam Smather. From Bulldog to Bingo, where can people go to find the book? Yeah, you can find it at uh, orangefraserpress.com. And so it's orange, you know, like the orange, uh, F-R-A-Z-E-R.com. Okay. Uh, it's also available on, on Amazon. And uh, I know the proceeds are going to benefit. Is it the Joe Burrow Foundation, the, the vice president, or his mom and dad, Jimmy uh, and Robin Burrow? Yeah, they do. They will get a portion of the of the proceeds. Okay. And I will I will say that uh, they've been very supportive of the project from the very beginning. Wonderful. And, and Joe's parents read through every chapter last mm-hmm. summer as I was writing it, yeah. and they gave gave me feedback. Uh, so the book actually is coming out in April, but but you can pre order it now. And we're giving people a chance to preview the book here on the Believe in Bingo podcast over the next couple of weeks. We're going to walk through, and you're going to learn more about Joe Burrow. Um, you're going to learn about just how smart this young man really is and and how he always had this active brain, a lot of creativity, great imagination, but the ability for processing simply is phenomenal. You're going to learn a lot about what really makes him who and what he is. Um, I've been telling people all around Cincinnati, this is a very special young man. And, and everyone sees it now. There's no doubt. After getting sacked nine times, Scott, in a game against the Tennessee Titans in a postseason game, and he keeps getting up, slinging it, that's more than just a quarterback, I got to tell you. And people are finding out that Joe Burrow's got great toughness. Um, He's got everything uh, that you need to have a championship quarterback. We want to thank you for taking time to join us on the Believe in Bingo podcast. We'll see you next week because I know you're going to join us. Uh, We should let people know that you're a professor yeah. Uh, at Indiana Wesleyan uh, University, right, where you're you're teaching philosophical theology. You got yeah. class to teach, don't you? Uh, I do, and some sports. <laughs> I also teach sports ministry. Yeah, that is wonderful. That's right. Yeah, maybe you'll be able to help us out here on the Believe in Bingo podcast. We we appreciate you doing a great job so far. Look forward to you joining us again next week. Okay. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, everyone, thank you for joining us. Uh, Don't forget to go get a copy of the book. And don't forget to join us next week by going to Believe.com to catch another episode of the Believe in Bingo podcast by Solomon Wilcox. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. 
At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.